All right, because three is a crowd. I'm here today once again in the blockhouse, not as always, but as always, most of the time, uh, with Kelly. How's it going, Kelly? I put too much vodka in my drink, and I'm feeling really restless. Uh, maybe buying a house. Oh, wow. The world doesn't seem to be getting any better. I just don't know, man. How are you? I'm doing great. The, I, the acoustics in here are weirding me out. It sounds well. It sounds crazy. We sound like we're in a recording booth. I know that was the that was the goal. I know. You put on a very NPR voice there. Maybe I just I had the illusion all of a sudden that I was. No, it's still me. That's still, just sad. It's just <laughs> the acoustics. And the, I'm so sad that I might be. I might be buying a. Uh, I might be buying a house. I'm so I'm sad. Try to buy a house. Try to buy a house. Have you tried to buy a house? It's sad. It's sad. <laughs> I mean, it is in a way because I don't have any money. Well, that's fair, and also it is. Well, I guess it's. Not really throwing your life away. You can no. always sell the house. <laughs> throwing your life away. No, I mean just the commitment. Yes. yes you know, yes. as anybody would say, and as you're feeling, it's quite a commitment to buy a house. Yes. Seems like a crazy thing to do. But especially for people who are like transient, I guess, who want to leave all the time. Yeah, that's true. That's, well, I mean, I've been here for a long time. You've been here for a long time. Yeah. I mean, it's almost been a decade. But like, stuff is changing. And yeah. I... For me to be like, I guess I'll stay here for 30 years. Not that you have to just, again. You, you don't have to. It doesn't matter. Yes. But like, it does feel as though yes. that's there. Well, right? it's time to get our bunkers. It's time to get our guns. It's time to get underground. <sighs> the world's coming to an end. Yeah, I'm probably not going anywhere. Let's face facts. Uh, hey. We can't even. Our passports are fucking worthless. Can't go anywhere. Can't do anything. Can only go within the States for now until this the borders a, lock down. A lot at the top. The top of the app. <laughs> well, luckily for you, Kelly, this is a realty podcast oh, where we talk about. <laughs> thank God. JK, this is a Bob Dylan podcast, so it's of no help at all to your life situation in any I mean, in the way, escape, shape, or form. It's, it's escapism, right? And if you want to smoke a little marijuana, a pint of tea a day, a pint of tea, uh, then this song is right up your alley. Uh, Kelly and I spent an entire week with a random Bob Dylan song. We chose randomly for the first time in a while because we did our music video month uh, over the month of July, which ended. Uh, it's our last one. Ha <laughs> Quote unquote. Is it? Who knows? Stay tuned next year. See if it comes back. Um, something to hang on to, folks. Uh, so we actually did choose randomly. And unfortunately, we chose a song that I was dunking on. Uh, the episode that we were on. Uh, so karma was a bitch. We make a Spotify playlist about it. We uh, talk and then we get together at the end of the week and we talk about the song, which is what we're doing today. I've been listening to Bob Dylan for most of my life. Kelly's heard roughly the same number of songs as the actual number of years that the Hundred Years War between France and England lasted from 1337 to 1453. And this week, More than we listen to Why is it called 1966's for? Rainy Day Women like number 12 and 30. I mean, that doesn't matter. Let's get into it. 160. Well, it'll stone you when you're trying to be so good. They'll stone you just like they said they would. They'll stone you when you're trying to go home. They'll stone you when you're there all along. But I would not feel so all alone. Everybody must get stoned. Dark Kelly spent the entire week, as you just heard, listening to Rainy Day Women, number 12 and 35, a song that you had actually incidentally picked on episode 94, Summer Days, uh, when you guessed wrong. Oh. Yep. 
if we're if we're adding that into the mix, this is a never ending podcast. We're like, remember that one time you almost picked this, or you did pick? Well, this, luckily, really? luckily, the entire podcast isn't based around. Remember that time that Kelly picked a number? Yeah. Wow, wasn't that a, a great story to be telling right now? Uh, no, you, what you just witnessed right there was the first time I've mentioned something like that because I realized that I've been keeping track of this forever and I never look at this data that I've been collecting this entire time. There and I just see this and I ignore it for every episode. But now, get ready, strap in. If data. We, it's data. Data time. It's data time. Did you damage your face, Dana? It is a beard, Jordy. A fine full, dignified beard, one which commands respect and projects thoughtfulness and dignity. Well, opinions? It's, um, very different. When I stroke the beard thusly, do I not appear more intellectual? Uh, so you you picked it in 94. We obviously didn't do it. I made fun of this song last week, uh, last episode, with most likely you'll go your way and I'll go mine. And then we get it, which does feel horrible. But <laughs> it's also kind of nice to get it. I don't know. I mean, I think I'm in the right mood to listen to this song. So before we get into the context and uh, just talk about what the song is about and all, you know, all the good stuff, how was your uh, week with this song? You talked about the carnivalness of Blonde on Blonde. This one kind of speaks to the carnivalness that you fear. What are what are your thoughts? I like it. I don't know, man. Nice. My first note is sad clown, sad European clown. Mm. <laughs> uh, which I mean, it's it's got like a big second line feel to it. It's very New Orleans, uh, yeah, yeah. The, like kind of mopey ragtime piano, and it, like, it is mopey. I re- I'm really really into it. Yeah, I well, actually enjoyed it way more than I thought it would because I don't give a shit about lyrics a lot of the time. Not not always. I do care some, but that's definitely the secondary thought for me. Right. Any piece of music is the lyrics. Um, this I don't know. This is good. So how how do you feel? I'm curious because yeah. I know you really really didn't like it, but I don't know when we talked earlier this week, you were like, yeah, it's okay. yeah. I mean, it. I think it's fun. Some of the takes on it over the years are. It's funny. It's fun for me. As somebody who likes history and historiography, it's very fun to look back at the way this song in particular has been portrayed over time, because the more we know, the less it dispels the myths that have been built up around this song. So just like I kind of know all of the myths have been busted. So I never had the illusion that like, oh, everybody was super high in the studio. Everyone was drunk. And I'll get into that in a minute. But like all of those things are gone. So for me, when I read somewhere that it is uh, some of the world's greatest musicians playing their instruments badly on purpose, that's a very funny, that's a very fun concept to me. They're just trying to be so loose, so, you know, just jaunty and like, they're just not caring. Um, I like that. That seems very interesting to me where they're not putting uh, this professional gleam that they can put on it. They're just kind of having fun. You can really hear them having oh, totally. fun. Um, but how much fun it really was to do it is is up in the air. And for the most part, everybody thought this was going to be this was take one. And it was like, OK, well, that was a cool rehearsal. Oh, we're moving on. OK. And then they saw this come out as a single. They're like, what? What the fuck? We just did this for fun. Like what? OK. I guess for me, uh, I didn't like the song mainly because uh, it feels it, it just feels so far away from where we are. Like it is something. Bob Bob Dylan and all of these songs are reacting to the stuffiness of the 1950s, right? You can't call this song Everybody Let's Get Stoned, right? You have to call it something different. You're barely getting away with something. You're playing with double entendres. It's not bad, 
but it's also kind of lazy. It's like, this is not particularly clever, I guess, for me. And I, for me, Bob Dylan is such a lyric thing. I can enjoy the music, and I like that a song like this can exist. But for me, it was always just like, uh, you know, I don't know. It just, it never grabbed me. I'd have nothing against smoking weed or anything like that. It's, I, I guess... I don't really have a good response because I, I, I definitely have come around to it. I like it a little bit more than I did before. Um, we'll talk about if I want it on Blonde on Blonde as we go. But essentially it comes down to that. It's basically just I don't think it's that clever. I wish it was just a single. Like it's a fun single just to do. Um, I don't know why it's on Blonde on Blonde. That's all. And it really seemed to come about incredibly fast. I mean if we believe that most likely you go your way and I'll go mine, Charlie uh, McCoy – pulls out his trumpet and and literally the next day which is what we're recording here so we just cut that song and we come in the next day and we do this in one take like you've got to think that bob had a song like this ready to go or fucking wrote it on the night and um was like charlie let's do this al cooper said in his book that they were like a trumpet's not enough and charlie was like i got you man and he called up a friend at like four in the morning which is probably apocryphal because we know now this was not done middle of the night. We know everybody was not high or drunk. So more than likely that the end of the the day before, they probably called and were like, hey, can we get a tuba player? Hey, can we get a trombone player? You know, they were like, let's do this. Let's have fun. But then those people left. You know, they don't make it onto any of the other songs. And they recorded for a whole rest of the day. This was the final Blonde on Blonde session. And knowing that, too, feels better for me because I'm like, ah, we're letting stuff go. This is the day, like we talked about last week, where we had all of the short fun songs to bookend the really important, hard, challenging material that make Blonde on Blonde so great. And so if and if I was saying last week that I enjoy the light to go with the the heavy, then this is definitely a light song that can go with the heavy of Sad Eyed Lady, you know, the two bookends of the record. Like this one to me just feels like such a novelty song. That's all. But that's that. <laughs> so as I said, uh just for a little bit of context, as I said last last time uh, this was recorded the day bef- the day after. Most likely, you'll go your way and I'll go mine. Uh, recorded on March tenth, nineteen sixty six, in one take with a rehearsal that we'll talk about. Um, that's on the Bootleg Series Volume Twelve, The Cutting Edge. Uh, who's playing on this? We have Bob Dylan, obviously playing guitar, harmonica, singing. Charlie McCoy um, on the bass, trumpet. Uh, Wayne Butler is playing trombone. Uh, Joe South is on the guitar or the bass. Uh, Al Cooper's on the organ. Uh, Henry Shersinski is on bass. So Charlie McCoy is probably just on trumpet here. And this kind of gets to another point. And Kenny Buttry, of course, is on drums. So we have a great lineup here. However, what I was talking about, myths being debunked as we've gone along. One of the big myths was that this song, because they were either drunk on leprechaun cocktails or they were high on marijuana, mm. um, they switched everything up, right? So like Charlie McCoy dropped uh, the, the bass and went to trumpet. Uh, obviously, Butler came in. Uh, Joe South took up guitar. Straczynski was on Al Cooper's organ. Uh, Al Cooper is the one doing the tambourine. Kenny Buttry took his bass drum and set it up on some chairs and hit it with a was it a timpani mallet? Mm-hmm. Um, so if that if all of that happened, which is like I I don't think it didn't happen, right? There's I don't know. More than likely, they just replicated that type of sound because they're professional musicians. I don't think they need to go out of their way to like, hey, everybody, I'm going to do this standing on my head. You know, it does make it more fun, admittedly, right? If you think that everyone's fucking baked or high or drunk out of their minds. But 
that's not true because I think after everybody this just thing. playing instruments we're not comfortable with or doing stuff differently is fun enough. I don't think you need to be fucked up to do it. I mean, that's fine. No, too, but, but I mean, everybody is, all of them are well-versed and they're all session musicians. They, they're yeah. all multi-instrumentalists. So it's like, oh, here, play an instrument you know how to play. Well, I'm also confused because there's no guitar on this track. Like that was one of the things I was going to mention about this, that this is maybe the first Bob Dylan song I've heard where there's literally no guitar unless it was an alternate take of something. Is there? No, no, there is an alternate there's, take. And because we listen to that rehearsal, right? there's definitely a Barry sax. I don't think that's a tuba. That's certainly a woodwind. There's a reed in that noise, that, that bass sound. They have the same. That's why Barry sax and tuba players are buds. Because we play the same bass lines. Mm. So it, it could be. Could be. Well, the, you're upending uh, uh, some some good, Bob. You should get into it. You should you should pin this uh, die on this hill and say that there was a Barry sax in the room that day no, and you need to find the very sexy. No, no, because take. Like, that's... listen, uh, no, you're probably not wrong. I mean, I think we only go so far. I think you can only care so much about exactly who is in the room, but also uh, that information is somewhat lost in the wind yeah. because I mean, Wayne Butler, who showed up for this one take was the person who said that we all got drunk and high. And it's like, you, you might have done that off. Not you were not in the studio doing that is basically, I think, the point that uh, Sean Will Lance would make, which is like Albert Grossman wouldn't have allowed it. Columbia would not have allowed it. Um, it just wasn't a thing. You know, right, you, like they're not smoking weed in the studio. Right. So yeah. were they going out to get high I, there? Maybe. I mean, they might have been high every time. They might have been high every time. Yeah. Exactly. So all of that stuff is totally fine. Like that could totally be real. But to to put four songs that day that they recorded, it clearly wasn't the end of the day. Here's our last take. Let's be the most high yeah. that we could oh, be. Because this was not only that, but this was the opening song. This is what they started the day with. And then they went on oh, to yeah. do. Oh, yeah. You can't do shit after you can't that. Do th- not only that, but you can't do, yeah, I Want You, Leopard's Game, Pullbox Hat, and obviously Five Believers. Three great songs done perfectly. No, there's no way that they could have done that. Uh, and then it reached number seven in the UK. So not too bad. Um, unlike Like Rolling Stone, which also hit number two, that was six minutes long. That's what made it revolutionary. You know, that's a long song to play. Uh, he edited this down to a cool two minutes, uh, cutting out, I think, two verses, hitting uh, oh. the third and final verse. To play on the radio? Yep. Or no? no, no, just to make it short. Make it short and sweet and punchy and and listen, because hmm. it's a corny, pandering song. That that's what this is. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, you... Uh, there's a lot of obviously references to this song. We have the Simon and Garfunkel song on our playlist. I think that references Dylan kind of as a whole entity and what he was doing. But it's been uh, sung even by the Beatles when they did the rooftop concert near the end of their uh, career as the Beatles, the famous rooftop concert uh, during I've Got a Feeling when they were playing, just when they were doing an alternate take of it, they just started singing Everybody Must Get Stoned ah. over the song. Uh, and there's been a lot of covers over the years. Uh, Black Crows, uh, My Morning Jacket have covered it. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers did it a lot back in the day. Right, that makes sense. And then we get into the vibe where I place this song, which is Sammy Hagar, Jimmy Buffett have done it. You see where I'm going with this. So I'm telling you, Bob Dylan and Jimmy Buffett are linked, man. Oh, no, they're best friends. Key West is about Jimmy Buffett. I'm convinced. No, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, this song was number three on the Rolling Stones Reader's Poll for the 10 worst Dylan songs. Of course, Wiggle Wiggle is number one. Is it? It is, yeah. Of course. I can't wait till we get Wiggle Wiggle. I, can't I cannot wait. wait. It's, uh... I can't believe we've avoided it for four years almost. Uh, but see, the, it, even with Wiggle Wiggle, I don't put it in the same... Like, this is not in that class. Like, as much as I, I have antipathy towards the song, it's more that I hate the panderingness of it all, and less that it's just Bob doing a bad song. Like, that, there's no pandering with Wiggle Wiggle. That is going nowhere. That's a road to nowhere. <laughs> this one clearly was a number two song. He wanted that number one. 
he didn't want to wait till 2020 to get his first number one hit, right? Um, and maybe the fact that it didn't work out in the motorcycle crash, I mean, he never goes for this kind of stuff again. This was it. I mean, this was really the last gasp of like this crazy wild mercury sound character um trying to do this thing and little did we know that we're watching the last time he would ever really try for something like this i think if he kept going he would probably make other stuff like this hmm. just to try to you know stay on the charts and, and be a major pop star like if he actually hit the number one maybe yeah and just like if if he had more success in that vein i think that his career would have been different oh like if all the covers of magazines were like bob dylan's best song ever made Either that, well, either that, or just like he just made a lot of money from this song in particular. He might have just been like, "This is the type of music I should make," because I want that. And I want, yeah. But again, he might not want that overall. But I mean, think about him as a young kid back then. You know, his whole career trajectory could be different if he was as popular as the Beatles. You know what I mean? Like, imagine if Dylan was the most popular and the Beatles were the ones that were in Dylan's shoes, which are always second or third best behind the Stones. Right? You're not even sometimes mentioned. People say, "Oh, the '60s." Oh, we're talking about the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, right? We don't even mention Bob Dylan in some conversations. What if the Beatles were like that? You know, I think their their lives and their careers would be way different. Mm-hmm. Dylan has played this song 963 times. However, he does enjoy it. First time, August 31st, 1969, which was the Isle of Wight Festival. So we did actually listen to it on Isle of Wight, which we've uh, blocked out of our brains. And October 14th, 2016 was the last time. So who knows if we'll touch it again. Concerts in our time are still not a thing. So that could be the last time. Kelly, we listened to a couple of versions of this song, notably Blonde on Blonde. We'll talk about that in the rehearsal. Uh, Isle of Wight, which we forgot about. I genuinely forgot that it was on Isle of Wight. Uh, but it is there. It closes out the show. Uh, we listened to Before the Flood Again, where the all of the fun instruments in the background, just like the trumpet, and most likely become a guitar riff. And that guitar riff does carry throughout. So every time most likely gets played, we get the guitar riff version. And obviously with uh, Unplugged, which is the other version we do, uh, we also get basically the whole drive of the song reduced, in a way reduced. No, it's super. I into it. a I, um, the, way worse. Way into worse. a into a riff. The value of this song for me is that it's not mm. Dylan. It's not guitars. Like I love guitars. I just think this is so remarkable for not having any guitar in it when that's been his whole thrust for his whole career. Like I know he gets into piano, and I'm sure there are just piano only ballads. But I was like. Lenny Bruce even has it. Like everything has a guitar in it that I can think of, despite whatever the the personnel list might say. And I think it is just like this is a this people that were there. They usually played this instrument. They were probably playing that instrument. I don't, but they weren't right because there is no fucking guitar in this track. Yeah. So I think even though the versions with the band, it sounds like every other fucking song he does with the band. So it's like blues rock. Great, great. I know Bob Dylan does blues rock. That's not interesting to me. And then the version for Unplugged, 
which famously unplugged never unplugged because there's a goddamn electric bass it's a fucking organ there's like yes. a electric slide guitar there's always electrified instruments why they call it unplugged i will never know i mean i think stripped down stripped yes. down is what it should yes. be called because because in a way unplugged doesn't make a lot of sense if you're playing a song that was originally an acoustic cover i don't know if i want to hear a 70 year old bob dylan play an acoustic song of an acoustic song he did when he was 20 yeah but, but it'd be fun know. to play it with a cool slide guitar no yes it would be much cooler to have a fucking trombone there like well okay Jesus Christ. A nice little slide guitar. And it's like trombone in your face. Fucking audience. I mean, I love it, but. You you don't have to be loud when you play trombone. That's for trumpets. They're the worst. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you? Charlie McCoy will be pissed. Uh, Anyway, so yeah, I think the both live versions are absolutely boring because they sound like everything else. Well, at least we're on the same page here. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, Isle of Wight is, uh, again, they played it last because it's everybody must get stoned, baby. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. This is my big single right now. Not really, because that was a couple of years ago. But I'm back, baby. And we're doing this song. Uh, yeah, I, d- I didn't really care for it. Uh, Before the Flood, again, it's got the band stuff. Anything band related, I mean, I'm on board with. The, all the guitar work's good. It just sounds like everything else. But, but it also set the precedent. The same with Most Likely. It's like... Robbie, you have a great guitarist who was not on this one, but was on the one before. He is great. So he made a great lick that mimics what's happening with the melody of the song. And it sounds great. But it is now the song. Now the song. It's just the end of the world. Yeah. The organ solo. I like and, that. And as much as Bob goes to, and tours place. and does all that stuff, he definitely does not take bands out like that. So there is, he did play this in Okay, I didn't know you were going to go so hard on No Instruments. Uh, we just uh, paused here and we listened to, I've got a, a version from the 1978 uh, World Tour with, you know, all the saxes, all of the, all the instruments. Well, it's just um, a tenor sax and it's not as good. Whoa. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> so, and, and it, it looks like that was just an instrumental, probably an opener. So there is a precedent for that too. Um, per Clinton Halen, uh, in 1992, yeah, he did the same thing. He didn't do any of the lyrics he just played the song as an instrumental opener Uh, on another occasion in 1991 in south bend indiana he sang the lyrics to watching the river flow episode 57 over the original 66 tune (laughs) which is ridiculous he probably just didn't know what he was doing no he probably got confused (laughs) that's all i can assume uh or again these songs sort of kind of blend together which is definitely um something people feel like when they go to a show sometimes with bob it's like oh this this could be that song we you know we've lost the thread at this point um 
So your favorite version, obviously, is Blonde on Blonde. Not only is it just like, I think sonically, euphonically more fun because it is so different. It also like it kept me listening because I was like, what exactly is going on here? Mm. The drums are so sparse. I think he puts the tom in there for a second. But, yeah, that makes a lot of sense if he did take the bass mm. drum off because the way the kick sounds totally different. And because it's blended with an electric bass, which is definitely there because I was in the rehearsal. Yes. And the Barry Sax tuba. Who, who knows? Barry Sax. Uh and the trombone and everything like it's hard to say like hear exactly who's playing what what instrument is really there other than the non-committal tambourine we can even confirm that was there i can't really tell and that's so cool to me like that's like leaves you wanting to hear it again like yeah. what exactly is going on here and all that mystery's fucking gone robbie robertson's just like i play the guitar cool which is I, yes. sure but like there's nothing there there's no replay value to no me. but it's also if you i think I, i'm with you I'm with you because I don't want to listen to it, but it is. But I'm not with you in that it would be fun to see Bob Dylan for the first time in seven years. And yeah, he's just got the band. You can't do anything about that. But if you really want to hear Rainy Day, it would be fun to hear it. It's like anything. It's it's nice to have alternate versions. Oh, yeah, totally. It's just that you could do this and Before the Flood. And you kind of don't need anything else. Like, I mean, I wish that um, I went back and listened to a couple more because I was like, is this any different? And the unplugged version is pretty much the same as the Woodstock version. He played Woodstock 2 in 1994. Kind of the same. Maybe would be better because he's getting stoned. You know, everybody gets stoned and we're at Woodstock. Uh, He played at Toad's Place at that famous, you know, four hour set. Yeah. We've done that on uh, 1990, January 12th, 1990. So he did it there too. But again, it was kind of. It's based on the Robertson uh, formula, and um, the unplugged is just—it's on Spotify. That's the unfortunate part. It kind of becomes a represent representation of that time period, even though it really isn't. Because those two—if you can get your hands on Toad's Place or Woodstock—they're great. They're they're fine performances. Um, but yeah, the the unplugged is just not not compelling to me. I do love some of the versions of unplugged. I, I've stand for it on ring, ring the bells. Um, I'll stand for it again on dignity and desolation row. I, I genuinely enjoy those versions of it because they don't cut out a bunch of shit. They really kind of stick to the script, but, um, but yeah, this one was just, it's boring. It's good. It's boring. Cause it's a boring song. So let's talk about this boring song. I broke this down into six different ways that one can see the song. Oh, because right on its right on the base of it, obviously, the, your first instinct is this is a drug song, right? Everybody's getting stoned. I don't necessarily think that, actually. I mean, I think that, yes, in that, like, it's brought back around to that. Like, that's the, the baseline. Like, but I remember, not like the literal baseline, but like, don't forget, we're talking about pot. But I think yes. the other lyrics, like, I don't, don't. know. I, yeah, I feel like he's talking about stoning as in, like, condemning. Yeah. I mean, I think that it definitely works on that level. I think anybody could, would laugh at the everybody must get stoned, but then listen to the, the rest of the lyrics and be like, oh, yeah, this is definitely more than that. So, again, it's it's not bad. It works. I, I think it's um, straightforward in a way where you can tell it's not just about smoking weed. But six different ways to look at it, I feel like, is four more than I would come up well, with. Well, so. fair enough. So, so my first one would be a general rebelliousness. And that kind of like involves – um, drugs and in a way, but more to like the social mores. Um, did you know that if you multiply 12 and 35, you get 420? No shit. <laughs> but he also claims, oh, he, man. but he claims I innocence. He, I know, right? That he just liked those numbers. Well, we don't know what it, we don't know what it means, which I'm going to get into. So, uh, so I want to start with a, with a long, 
not a long, long, it's not going to be an audio book here, but with a quote from Robert Shelton. So this is from No Direction Home in 1986. He, um, during this section of the book, he breaks down every song on Blonde on Blind. He doesn't do this with every album, but he did do it for this just because this was the rich period that, you know, everybody wants to wants to have a writer write about. So this is Robert Shelton. This is the major biography. He was the one who broke him in the New York Times. He had been following him for years. Um, if any if anyone had access to Bob Dylan in this time period, it was Robert Shelton uh, of the New York Times. Uh, so he wrote in his book, 1986, No Direction Home, quote, this song, which charted at number two, satirizes the 1960s generation gap. Dylan at his most truculent, toying with the title, the raggle-taggle ensemble singing, the giggling, the manic instrumentation, and a variety of implied games about liquor or dope. Rainy Day Women is an outburst of, of sheer joy. His drollness triggered a drug song controversy so feverish that Dylan announced, quote, I never have and never will write a drug song. The full quote is, I'm not going to play any more concerts in England. I'd just like to say that the next song is what your English musical papers would call a drug song. I never, I have never, and never will write a drug song. I just don't know how to. It's not a drug song. It's just vulgar. And then continuing with the Shelton quote, Rainy Day Women was banned by American and British radio stations. Time magazine in 1966 uh, said, quote, in a in a shifting multi-level jargon of teenagers to get stoned does not mean to get drunk, but to get high on drugs. A rainy day woman, as a junkie knows, is a marijuana cigarette. Oh, what? When former Vice President Spiro Agnew attacked rock drug songs that were leading American youth toward the heroin needle, he included Valerie Simpson and Nicholas Ashford's Let's Go Get Stoned, which Ray Charles performed widely. That's really silly, isn't it? Valerie Simpson said. It's just written so long ago. It's obviously about gin, not dope. Phil Spector was with Dylan. In Los, at a Los Angeles hangout, the Fred C. Dobbs coffee shop, when they heard Ray Charles stoned on a jukebox, both of them, Spectre told, uh, told me later, were surprised to hear a song that free, that explicit. Now, people have poked holes into that, too, because that song didn't come out till after he had done the song. But he might be talking about other people had, had covered their song before, mm-hmm. but it was Ray Charles that made it popular at the time. But so... Bob's kind of probably mixing. Oh, well, Phil Spector's mi- mixing some stuff up in this case. But that's the long quote, if you will, from Robert Shelton. So kind of funny, right? A rainy day woman is a cigarette. I think that's not real. What are marijuana tablets? <laughs> Reefer madness. <laughs> uh, and the song's uh, refrain, I-, I see as like an invitation to another worldview, right? Uh, but I would not feel so all alone. Everybody, let's go get stoned, right? Either get stoned in your you know, let's all be condemned yeah. by the by the society at large or let's go get high because we'll all feel better. Um, so I think th- there's an idea of rebelliousness to it. Again, it's corny from the 21st century. But if we can get back into the time frame, right, because re- hearing all that stuff, Spiro Agnew attacking rock drug songs as leading people to the heroin needle, like it's the same panic that jazz brought out. I mean, it's so hard to fathom, just like it's hard to fathom f- folk music being the the people the kids music right it's like what is this world right i think it's really hard for me to put my head back there i'm sure it's hard for you too oh, yeah. uh the other version i can see is a protest song right i mean this is a protest against uh the mainstream so in in 1966 again at a at another interview bob was asked about this song and he said quote well you know my songs are mathematical songs now 
you know what that means, so I'm not going to have to go into it specifically here. It happens to be a protest song. He's talking about this song specifically. And it borders on the mathematical, you know, ideas of things. And this one specifically happens to be Rainy Day Women number 12 and 35 happens to deal with a minority, you know, cripples and orientals and, uh, <laughs> you know, and the world in which they live. It's another sort of a North Mexican kind of thing. Uh, very protesty. Very, very protesty. And uh, – one of the protestiest of all the things I've ever protested against in my protest years. You said that? <laughs> so for me, it's clearly a vamp, right? I mean, oh, I don't think shit. that this is necessarily a protest song, but there are lines in here that speak to the darkness of the world. Like some of my favorite lines are, they'll stone you when you're trying to be so good. I mean, that's how the song starts. They'll stone you just like they said they would. Um, later they'll stone you when you're trying to make a buck, they'll stone you. Then they'll say, good luck. I mean, that's just, that just speaks to the world at large, right? They're, they'll cripple your fucking legs or they'll break your legs and make you pay for, thank me for the crutches, you know, mm-hmm. uh, they'll stone you and say that it's the end. They'll stone you and then they'll come back again. Um, it's a dark world. And I think that there are lines in here specifically that speak to our timeline. You know, they'll stone you when you're trying to keep your seat. Definitely about the civil rights movement. Um, Earlier, there's a line, they'll stone you when you're young and able. Um, And then it goes on, uh, they'll stone you when you say that you are brave. They'll stone you and then they'll set you down in your grave. Uh, Clearly a reference to going to war. Uh, Masters of War vibes are real here. So I think that there are elements inside of the lyrics, outside of the let's go get stoned, um, where it is kind of, it's dark, which I think is a good reason to get stoned. I'm sure it's why a lot of people get stoned. It's just, it's escapism, just like gin was before. You know, so it's it's a it's a fine line. Gin, marijuana, yeah. methamphetamine. Yeah. For me, and this is maybe wildly inaccurate, the protest song is like it's it's important that its message is clear mm. and that it's more anthemic. It's meant to be like, hey, this is a thing to pay attention to, whereas this is so veiled. Whereas, but all the things you said, I think are a hundred percent true. I mean, I think that this is like a situation where the song is so jovial and light and comical, mm. and then the you know that through line, "Let's get stoned," is like, ha ha, drugs. I think that this is really like a darker song where it's like things are fucked up. Let's let's escape, and yeah. like, how fitting is that now, right? Like, it's still a thing, so. I think that it's easy to laugh this off, and I think that maybe it was more intentional than people will ever give it credit for. I agree, and I think that brings us to number three, which is the religious elements of it. So, no, 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 I think in a great way, like the stoningness. The, I mean, it it just makes it. I mean, when you think of stoning, I think of I think of the Monty Pythons. We're gonna stone the guy, right? Absolutely, what I was thinking. I had a lovely supper, and all I said to my wife was, that piece of halibut was good enough for Jehovah. Oh, yes. He said it again. Yes. Did you hear him? Yes. Are there any women here today? Um, Clinton Halen was the only one that I saw... Um, sort of find a reference to it. So um, he, he found that it was taken from potentially from the book of Proverbs. Um, there's a line Proverbs uh, 2715, uh, a continual quote, a continual dropping in a, in a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. Hmm. A continual dropping in a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. Unyielding, unceasing, rainy, wet, Anyway. Whoa. Yikes. <laughs> Yikes for me, dog. But um 
But so, yeah, so that's kind of the only – we have a sentence that has rainy day and woman in it. But does that make a lot of sense? I don't think so. Um, Bob Dylan in 2012 was asked uh, by Mikel Gilmore of the Rolling Stone for his big interview about Tempest during the Tempest uh, run-up. Uh, he was asked, do you ever worry that people uh, interpreted your work in misguided ways? For example, some people still see rainy day women as coded about getting high. Bob's response, it doesn't surprise me that some people would see it that way. But these are people that aren't familiar with the Book of Acts. I think it's interesting. This is another uh, clear example of somebody who is um, versed in the Bible, you know, bringing that kind of stuff into his music well before his Christian period. Right. So pretty cool. Uh, number four, random everyday events. Um, apparently, because no one knew what the song was about, there was uh, a long running uh, sense that two that, that that this is true, that two women walked into the studio one day in the rain and Bob guessed their ages as being 12 and 35. Wow. <laughs> this is the shit we hang on to. I mean, pre-internet, what do you do, right? You have to make oh. up everything. Man. It's tough. <laughs> That's the worst <laughs> one for sure. That's absolutely the worst one. Um, I guess the only way to be charitable is just – is honest. I guess it would just be to say that this is like an inside – joke i mean right like there's nothing to a rainy day woman number 12 and 35 it's he can't call it everybody must get stoned right yeah but what was the what was the rehearsal thing it's like long-haired mule oh yeah a long uh long what is it um yeah a long-haired mule and a porcupine here <laughs> i mean that's just as good that's just as good might be better that's what i mean i don't think and, and again being able to hear this right because before we got no information uh, we had uh, Howard Soons doing his biography down the highway in 2001 where he kind of unearthed some of those misconceptions and put them out into the world. And then we got Sean Lance, who was allowed to listen to everything that we get to hear on the cutting edge years before. It's fun to go back and read his thing because he's not saying everything that you can just listen to now, but he's trying his best to like portray the vibe. So like when he said, oh, yeah, he called this song the porcupine thing. I'm sure people had a field day, right? They're like, what is... What is Sean even talking about? And obviously he can't say everything. But now that we get to listen to it all, it just dispels everything, right? We just know that it's just random. It's truly random. There's nothing happening in the song, um, at least with the song title. But autobiographically, we could read it as that, right? I think a lot of people like to see Bob Dylan through his own story, right? And this is one that I think works. Robert Shelton at the end of that very long passage, says this, quote, there is also a bitter undercurrent. That year, crowds were figuratively stoning Bob. Mm. He had gone electric eight months prior. Um, the 66 tour hadn't started yet, but that was obviously the the end of that road. And um, and the writing was on the wall, definitely by this point even. So, so yeah. This is like a comment on his fandom. Comment on his fandom, right. Everything I do, I'm going to be stoned for it, right, in, in that sort of way. Damned if you do, damned if you don't, might as well get high. Might as well get high. Yes. Or, or have fun with or, your life. Like, yeah. That's the thing. Right. I think it's just enjoy yourself. Like, sure, get stoned is, is the language you're using to say that, but it's yeah. just enjoy yourself. Or it's a genuinely, it it's freedom. It's like, you guys want to stone me for making my art. Stone away. Let's go, baby. The world's better because I'm doing my shit. Stone everybody. We should all be doing what we want to do. Um, so everybody should go get stoned. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and if we're all getting stoned, then no one's being stoned, right? So. It's just a way of life. We're all just... <laughs> uh, and then my final one, not so much a six, but more of an honorable mention, is that I feel like a lot of it 
you could make the case, and this is very flimsy to me, and it's the most generous I can be with a song that I just still don't really like, is that it ties into Blonde on Blonde. Like, I just think about rainy day women. Right, women. Rainy day women. What is, What would a rainy day woman be? Someone that you call when you've got no one else? That's what I right? mean. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I was saying. I'm so like, that's what like a rainy day fund a is rainy when you, day. something happens and you need money right something happens so a shelter from the storm type of thing right you you need somebody that um is going to come around and we would refer to that as a a ride or die bitch i believe (laughs) in the in the common (laughs) vernacular yeah a rider but i think it's less of a ride or die bitch it's more that somebody who i think it's i think that there is a tinge of um like kind of blues uh, like a sorrow to it like it's not so much a ride or die bitch, but a ride or die bitch as long as you're a bit sad because I'm sad too. <laughs> right. And like I'm sort of not going anywhere because I've got these these ideas of the world just like you do. And that's kind of what he's singing about on this song is very dark world. And he's almost he wants somebody in a rainy day is a sad thing, right? It's like gloomy, it's sad outside. You don't want to go outside. Um, so I don't know. Maybe it's just like a sad, you want not so much a sad woman. You want somebody to be with you when you are also sad and then everybody should get a sad woman. I don't know. But see, that's where it sort of falls apart to me. But like, but on the other hand, I would say that it also enters into the galaxies of the album we're about to listen to, which again is me being too generous to this song, but it's about to enter into, we're about to hear it from a lot of different types of women we listened to last week most likely you go your way and i'll go mine that's a, a story of some relationship uh we listened to just like a woman again he could be singing about the same person multiple times but we did sooner or later one of us must know very specifically about somebody fourth time around as well she's your lover now not on the album but from the same era and then we're gonna see louise later in visions of johanna we're gonna see uh the lady with her leopard skin pillbox hat we're gonna see sarah in sad eyed lady of the lonelands we're gonna talk to sweet marie we're gonna see the the paramour in temporary like achilles which uh was recorded i think right after uh most likely you'll go your way and i'll go mine and its chorus is you know i want your love and honey why are you so hard which maybe that is a rainy day woman you're a hard woman i don't know somebody you want to be with I, see this is where i don't really know and then i want you was the very last song recorded for the album and we listened to that on episode 20 way back in the day but could he be talking about the same woman on this entire day of recording right could could i want you and leopard skin and this all sort of connect to one another i don't know I guess it's just being generous, and if you make this about a, a woman or something, then you can sort of see the rest of that album sort of panning out a certain way, if that makes any sense. Hmm. I mean, if you think about this song in the context of he's actually speaking about a woman and maybe speaking about the trials that she's going through. Maybe. Oh, see, that's kind of cool. I didn't even think about the trials. I didn't even think about who would be the person, but yeah. he could almost, or the narrator, could almost be commenting on the treatment of some other some person. other person, yeah. yeah, which he does do on this record frequently. Yeah, so maybe he could be comparing, like, I don't know, Joe Baez. I could see that being his rainy day woman because, like, I need to be comforted and I need help. <laughs> Please, Joan, help me do music. Maybe, uh, maybe less Joan, maybe less a very specific person that we could know. But, but yes, I think so. I mean, that does. Looking at it now, I'm kind of like. Yeah, you would sort of – this is something you could say to somebody who is like, oh, I'm going through some trials and travails. And you're like, they'll stone you when you're Don't trying to do so good. Don't let the bastards grind you down. Je- as Jeff Rosenstock once said, 
we can't let them win. Yeah. That's great. That makes this that makes this nice. That makes the narrator like, yeah, trying to bolster up his sad. And it's woman. so autobiographical in that, like, I've been through this, man. Like, I get yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, I because I know. I know yeah. they'll stone you when yeah. you try to walk into your home. Yeah. yeah. I know. Yeah, and that, that does and that helps, I think, the autobiographical part for Dylan, right? Because this is a Dylan that could be talking to an up and comer saying, Hey, I know that they're gonna come and try to get you, hmm. man, but and especially speaking about a woman, if you're talking about, you know, you're walking alone on the street. Yeah, like, sure. That's sad. But sure. Ha- like that happens. Yeah, because sure. Because women get attacked all the time or catcalled or whatever. Hey, I like that take. Yeah, that's fun. That I didn't mean for that to come. That's, uh, that definitely works more for the, well, somewhat for the autobiographical. But yeah, I just think the best you can do is try to make the song make sense on, on top. On, 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 on. Take this coke out of town and come back and break down when I'm broke. Come on. Does it work in 2020 for you, Kelly? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Because it, I I refuse to really read it as like You're just having a good two time. joints in the moment. No, yeah. <laughs> Which we didn't we we did not put sublime. We, we didn't did put not. I resisted as yes. hard as I could. There's and, no uh cannabis kings no, no. or cottonmouth kings. And we also no Afro Man. No, uh, none of it. We all we resisted. That was my first note. I was gonna be like, how like much like Afro Man is this song? <laughs> And look, there's nothing wrong with like pod culture and like, I no. mean, we did put the Matthews band on here. So like, <laughs> yeah, you know, the one minute instrumental, <laughs> uh, which is the best. I love it. It made me for a second almost go into his whole Ooh. discography, but I did not have the time. Anyway. I, when I was looking at my last time, I was like, oh, you know how many Dave Matthews songs I've listened to? I was one. like Crash. one. And then I went into it. 129. I was like, what? 2006, 2007. I was like, oh my God. I did do uh, Forever in the Stars Dreaming or whatever. Like, I listened to those albums at least three times. They all had 30 plus. Oh, wow. And I was like, I don't remember them at all. If you asked me if I've ever listened to Dave Matthews, I would have definitively said, I've certainly heard the big songs, but no. (laughs) And clearly, I have 129 examples of me in 2006 getting down. And I don't to remember some DMB. It. Wow. I, maybe I thought I wanted to be that person. No, I mean, that's not real. But I, maybe I, I don't know. I chalk it up as to uh, curiosity. I was like, I need to understand this. Tangent. Inappropriate do. tangent because we're not even talking about We're not even there yet. Yeah. But yes. I had a friend in high school. Friend? A guy I knew in high school who was so Obsessed. into them. Yeah. And it just felt really out of place because to me, Dave Matthews Band was definitely for like, because we, we would have been 16 or 17. Mm-hmm. In 2004, and for me, Dave Matthews Band was definitely for people in their in the, 30s and 40s yeah. that followed him in the 90s. In that the like 90s. loved to smoke pot and loved to get down. They and were the new Grateful bands. Dead. Yeah, way, yes. totally, totally. They're very fish adjacent. They're just like they a are. jammy, but more like coherent. They're a coherent yes. jam band. Yes, they are. They are the mainstream fish. That's <laughs> yes. how I would think yes. about them. Right. So for this kid to be so into them, I never understood it in, in a way that was like. A pathology, like he decided yeah. that he was Dave Matthews is the monkey god, and we are all his servants. Like right. this is a word, words that came out of his face. I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> Who are you? Are you a time traveler? Like I don't know. Yeah. Is he going to take over the world? <laughs> I, just bizarre. Anyway, so that's my association. Uh, now with Dave I can, now I think about Bob Dylan being a servant of Dave Matthews, not in like a like he's enslaved or something, but just like 
you were going to sit here and really think that Dave Matthews is the galaxy brain of like, yeah. that's, that's, offen- what he, that's offensive. That's the to love he felt. Bob it was Dylan, real. It was real. That's incredible. Anyways. Does it work in 2020? Yeah. I think just because of the way that I view the song as it being like people getting condemned for just living their fucking lives. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And things being hard. So let's escape into drugs. Or, or or whatever, you or need. just accept the stoning, right? Because it's not, a, it's people are going to hate. I think that's two it. different ideas. I think taking it as haters going to hate is one idea. I'm taking it as life is really hard. Do what you need to find comfort. Yeah, two different takes. And that's I think ta- the the latter take of do what you can to find comfort because life is really hard is still very prescient right now, especially. It definitely is. So, uh, but yeah, that's true. If you're not thinking of it as it as like I'm making art because that's taking the non biographical the Bob Dylan approach where you're saying he's talking about his art, he's being stoned right. metaphorically for his art. But yeah, if we're taking it like more literally, not the stoning, stoning, but like life is hard mm-hmm. do what you got to do to get by yeah yeah that's that'll always be resonant yeah totally. i would just say bob dylan's done that song better <laughs> uh for me i actually hadn't thought about this question until last night because i was like i don't know i still don't know I've, i felt like we would just talk it through and i'd be like okay and i definitely feel like i've come around a little bit but last night we happened upon or i did you had happened upon it before me supermarket sweep hell yeah and so immediately when i came back to my room I was like, this is interesting. This <laughs> Super is interesting. Super Mario I, last night, I made a dumb comment based on me being a, a kid from the 90s where we all fall into this trap where we all feel like this is why something like Make America Great Again is such an appealing thing because we all think that our times before our time currently was a more pure time. Oh, yeah. I thought – that supermarket sweep, I was like, when I heard that it was being rebooted, of course it is. I was like, it's going to be worse because companies are going to pay for it because it's going to be so gauche, so whatever. And then you're like, yeah, no, they definitely pay for this stuff too, obviously. Yeah. Like, look at the way this all is framed. Like, they're definitely selling you products. And I was like, no. And Debbie knows our farmer John hams are a great choice. She heads right for the gourmet hams. <laughs> and the cameraman gets out of the way. Let's see what she wants now. Oh, that's smart. Our big farmer John hams. But what about Adam? I'm talking about those gourmet hams he's adding. And Francis starts filling her fresh cart with a mountain of gold-wrapped Farmer John hams. Those gold-foil-wrapped hams are from Farmer John. They're heavy, but you wouldn't know it from the way she's pitching them in. Look at Mary's cart. Can you imagine a fuller one? <laughs> and so so for me, I came back here and I was like, I, I don't want to assume things, about, even about this song, right? Because I think some people like this song because it's of an era. It's kind of pre-everybody sort of sneaking in a lot of drug references. And I don't want to look on the past as something more innocent, more virtuous, more meaningful even. This song is what it is. And we can read into it. And I think Bob is a clever enough songwriter to do that. But I do think at the very heart of this song is it is a sh- it's a shill of a song. And it wants to be number one. That's what it was, I think, designed to do, which was, Bob, you've written a lot of really good stuff here. And people are really going to like everything we just did. Visions of Johanna, Stuck Inside a Mobile, all those songs. This album is going to be just as like people are going to sing its praises the same way they were singing Highway 61's praises. Let's get a hit single on this shit, man. Let's get a hit single on this record so people cannot avoid coming to buy this. I think that was the design here. I think that's why this was made. And I think it's funny, and I and I applaud the Mamas and the Papas for uh, standing in his way. Monday, Monday was what stood in the way 
of Bob oh, Dylan get the number one. getting that number one. And because of the fire line that the mamas and the papas drew, we got to have this current Bob Dylan. And I'm afraid of what would have happened where we start to do stuff like this for future records. Monday, Monday. Can't trust that day. Monday, Monday. Sometimes it just turns out that way. Oh, Monday morning, you gave me no warning of what was to be. Oh, Monday, Monday, how could you leave and not take me? Kelly, did you know that we are also a real podcast? Mm-hmm. Everything on the internet's real. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Don't be don't be mistaken at all. Uh, you can follow us intermittently on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the good stuff. Uh, if you want to give us a dollar on Patreon, that would be really cool. That would be super cool, and you can have an episode dedicated to you that would be random, randomly chosen, randomly given to you, and you'd be in the show notes and everything. Punished or praised. Punish your praise. And yeah, you get a, your own feed with us. And we have lots of big plans coming soon. There's big changes that are happening here in Sun on the Window World. And uh, hopefully there's going to be a lot of new stuff coming to big Patreon Big changes first. haven't been told to me, so I'm excited too. Oh, you good. Should, I hope everyone else is excited. Good. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, Kelly, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Life is just continuing as normal. Uh, That's why I'm the co-host, you that, see. Oh, oh, I, oh. I had no responsibility. Wow, so I'm the host, you're the co-host? Up. I'm a co-host too. Yeah, but I mean... No, <laughs> you're clearly steering the ship. I am just holding an oar and hey, doing what. I'm no one can do. tell who writes the show notes. They are written in an amorphous third person. Well, I can tell you. So I don't us. contribute anything other than my commentary. <laughs> we also no, that's not true because you do contribute to the playlist. So we both oh, yeah, collab on a playlist. Of yeah. <laughs> sometimes yes. I sometimes <laughs> I do all some... of the music. <laughs> yes, exactly. We make a playlist every week, as we have said, um, and we love our playlists. We love them like children, and they are – we do. I do. They're my favorite thing. Um, so you can listen to our playlist now. You can either listen to it live as we do it. Uh, you can search see that my playlist is kept clean. Uh, that will just randomly uh, – whatever song we're on in time, you're going to see it there. So if you're listening to this outside of August of 2020, you are out of time. Hopefully things are better where you are. <laughs> They're not. When you are. When you are. Ugh. Or you can search uh, Rainy Day Women, SOTW116. It'll show up on Spotify. Or go to our website, SOTWpod.com. All of our show notes are going to be there. Kelly, our playlist this week was especially fun. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good. Uh, welcome back to our playlist world, Jimi Hendrix, mm-hmm. for the third time. Uh, one Rainy Wish, Axis Bold as Love. I mean, Jimi Hendrix can do no wrong. Yeah, that's true. Kid Cudi, Dan Knight, Man yeah, on the Moon. That whole album will be on here, don't worry. Uh, it, we, five. Five times. <laughs> <laughs> so how many songs are in it? Probably 16. Right? Well, one of them wasn't from this album. It was from his like, second or third. But Whoa, still, excuse me. we're going to get this whole album okay. at some point. Well, hopefully. Man on the Moon? I don't fucking know. Anyway, yes? Continue. King Cruel, third time. Keeping it real it's here. It's not only been thir- three times, has it? It, it has. It just has been the last like three playlists for some reason. Uh, King Cruel like... was, yeah, episode... Like he's been on every one. Uh, 110, 112, 116. Okay. So in the last, he was all over a music video month before. Uh, so King Cruel, we're going to keep Man Alive. We're going to put the entire record on as well. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny yeah, that both of these were on here. Uh, Van Morrison and It Stoned Me from Moon Dance. Oh, that's really good. 
Uh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. We you, we make fun on this podcast of Van Morrison's Moondance cover. Yes. But because tell me great. that song isn't great. It's great. It's great. Uh, great album. And really, uh, Van Morrison, the mileage doesn't go very far after that for me. But Astro Weeks and Moondance are just two impeccably perfect albums. Uh, the Modern Lovers, I'm Straight, off mm-hmm. of their only album, The Modern Lovers, 1976. Hippie Johnny. Love the nasaliness of just, I just everything about that song is just perfect. And the Modern Lovers are awesome too. Margot Price for the third time uh, in two weeks, in fact, uh, back to back. Uh, Stone Me off of That's How Rumors Get Started, her newest album, which I recommended last week. I love that. Call Me Bitch or Call Me Lover. Let's go. Uh, Simon and Garfunkel for the fifth time. Uh, and this is our second time using this song. I thought so. Yes. So like, I've definitely heard this. So uh, the song is called A Simple desolatory philippic yes i think uh, which from, i had to look up both of those words because i didn't well know it's funny that you say that because i actually got a message on um i almost said tiktok i don't have a tiktok um i got a message on instagram i actually got a message from max uh where he was he was listening to our episode on self-portrait 102 uh this year and he was talking, we were talking about The Boxer, and he asked us if we knew about this song. And he probably just didn't know we had put it on the playlist before. But I don't think we paid it any mind. No, I think we just put it on and didn't really think twice about it. I certainly knew of its existence. And parts of this, I'm like, oh, yeah, totally. Have we done a song with the word simple in it? Why would it have shown up? Uh, let's see what it was on. Uh, 30 cent, Lenny Bruce, because he says, I learned from Lenny Bruce. Oh, right, right, right. right. Uh, so yeah, it was on episode thirty-seven with Lenny Bruce. <laughs> Tough. So we, yeah, probably too. We that's that was such a long episode. We probably just didn't. Even, we probably didn't even do this back then. Or we talked about the. Yeah, we didn't do Welcome to. We never did that. So that's why we never talked about this before. We just put it on there and we just did it. I don't think we started doing this until like season two. Hmm. Um, but that was season one. Uh, yeah. So we got a we got a, um, a Instagram message from Max just talking about this song in particular. Uh, and he just wanted to know what we thought about it. And it was really fun to re-listen to it and then get a song like this where you're like, oh, shit. He's just making everybody must get stoned. Like, yeah. there's so many references to Dylan. Uh, what do you think about that one? I mean, that was such a... This song a... is amazing. I didn't know these little, like, folk rocker, heterosexual in big quotes, uh, white dudes could be thrown this level of shade in the 60s incredible like i wonder is this song written from the perspective of dylan or commenting on dylan specifically because i think there's two different takes of it obviously the the whole it's referencing him throughout but i wonder if it's a sympathetic look like he's been put through all this shit i don't think so i think it's mostly like it's not only condemning him but the entire generation and the song while it's supposed to be mimicking Bob Dylan's style, yeah. I guess, it also, the it first thing is. I thought about was The Who, My Generation, which is another uh, link right there. And that came out only six months before this did. one. Uh, because like that, dun, 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 dun. I'm no man's brains and smile. You come breaking up in a towel. Not the same as you and me. It doesn't take poetry. You're so unhip when you say Dylan. He thinks you're talking about Dylan Thomas. Whoever he was, the man ain't got no culture. But it's all right, Ma. Everybody must get boned. 
Dylan Thomas. I don't even know who that is, man, because sure. I don't. I just listen to music about getting stoned, because that's all I care about, sure. man. Who cares? Like just criticizing, condemning the fandom of the folk scene and folk rock scene. Period. But then, like, I don't know, so many digs, like him dropping the harmonica and even playing. The uh, no, that's good. That's good. Seeing it that way, then yeah, he's. I'm on board with it even further. Taking down this song a peg is what I'm all about. <laughs> because yeah, I guarantee you, there were people at the time who were just like. Everybody must get stone. Put it on my stone. Get stone playlist mm. on Spotify or right, whatever yeah. the whatever whatever the sixty Spotify equivalent was. Records. Records. <laughs> <laughs> um, against me for the eighth time tonight. We're going to give it thirty five percent from the disco before the day. Take the disco before the breakdown EP two thousand two. Have you ever heard that song? No. Yeah. It's a good song. I've never listened to a lot of their stuff, apparently. I thought. I mean, I guess I just listened just, to the big like six albums that they had or whatever. But... Yeah. Yeah. This was on an EP between. I think. Yeah, between the first that the first one and Cavalier Eternal. Uh, Dave Matthews Band for the second time, as I've already gone off on my tangent. Um, and you too. Uh, we had two tangents about Dave Matthews Band. This is our second time. Uh, this is um, from Big Whiskey and the Guru Guru King. Yeah, but it would be like a... a oh, Guru. Silent X. Yeah, the X. Guru. So it would have to be the Guru Guru King. Whatever. Uh, 2009. <laughs> I mean, come on. You can't say that you're into that shit. Uh, uh, that little track is really fun. It's fine. Yeah, it's like a little. When you put it on there, I was like, oh, fuck. And then it was 30. It was a minute long. Yeah. I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> oh, it's instrumental. Even better. That's great. Uh, and then uh, Toots in the in the Maytals. Ma- Maytals, uh the second time. Uh, 54, 46 was my number from 1973's In the Dark. First wave scout. Welcome to. Our playlist for the very first time. Welcome to the family. Blue and green. Rainy streets. Very apropos. And very nice. That was a great uh, transition track uh, used greatly, I think, on the on the playlist. Uh, Mini Ripperton. Rainy day in Centerville. Off of Come to My Garden, 1970. What a strange, amazing song. Because for a yeah. pop song, especially for like a motown type song, yeah. there's a, a weird chord dissension right after the verses. It's like, dun, dun, dun. I was like, that is fucking scary. Why is that there? Like, the song's already kind of sad, but, like, she stops singing, and then this really doomy piano and, like, bass line dissension happened. I was like, what the fuck is that? And then we just cut right back to her. It's like, what just fucking happened? And that's how it outros, too. I was like, that is spooky. I need to know if somebody sampled this, because this would be a great oh, hey. sample for a rap group in the early 90s. And sure enough, somebody did it. So Oh, they did it? Yeah. Oh, I couldn't remember the name of it. It's called, like, Crime, Crime Lines or something was the name of the song. Uh, the song was whatever, but I was like, yeah, you heard it. You heard that <laughs> shit, and you were like, oh, that. Yes. Uh, I just happen to be listening to Come to My Garden because I'm in 1970 right now. I'm going through the rest of my 1970s, and Come to My Garden is is regarded as one of the great records of the ni- of 1970 in particular. And uh, I just happened to be listening to that when Rainy Day when we were doing when we chose this song, and then I was like Rainy Day in Centerville. Oh shit! <laughs> so that's all that was. Mono neon, woman, water, and weed. From I don't care today. Parentheses. Angels and Demons and Lo-Fi. Loved it. I just genuinely don't hate it. Yeah, if we're going to take off the Afromans and the Sublimes, like, mm-hmm. this is a great compromise candidate because it's silly, but it, like, kind of, I, I, I like it. Yeah, it's really good. It's not bad. I guess he was, um, I never heard of him before, but obviously he does stuff that I'm into, which is, like, never heard of him. alternative lower tempo t- hip-hop stuff. Yeah. <laughs> this is my jam. But he, uh, I guess he was the basis for Prince for a little while. Damn, that's right, great. Right before he died, he was like the last. Oh no! Yeah. So no, 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 no. He, no, he died. Prince dying. I mean, sad about Prince. But, <laughs> yeah. oh, okay, good. Yeah. yeah. For the yes. sake of our our 
playlist. Right. Well, they all must be. Alive. They will well, all must be alive. Well, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of being alive, Mozart. Uh, twelve <laughs> German dances. K five twenty six. Number twelve in C minor. Mm-hmm. I have no particular opinion. That was just a number twelve. <laughs> Uh, people people would probably want an update at this current moment. Uh, classical music, you were going to get on a tear. Mm-hmm. 2020, COVID happened, obviously. Kind of probably derailed the plans here. Because yeah. now we know you only listen to podcasts. But right. uh, are you still interested in becoming a classical music aficionado? Uh, I mean, I still want to know more about it. But I did just yesterday start a little BBC mm. documentary series. It's about six hours long. But the history of music. So I'm hoping it because I just want some context. I just yeah. like want a little stuff. So I don't love the guy that does it. Something not good all. That's the gorilla lady. <laughs> Kitchen good all. Something. I don't remember. Anyway, but yeah, I'll, I could be updated. So far, okay. not really. I did that like months into the beginning and then I just like. Did you finish mm-hmm. jazz then? No, because jazz got taken away. They oh, took really? jazz off of Amazon Prime and they took uh, country music off of Amazon Prime. So now really? I have to illegally download it. I mean, buy it so that I can watch it. Yeah, it got taken away. No shit. Yeah, that's it was like, terrible. Oh, the third or fourth episode and now it's gone forever. That's a damn shame. No. It's a damn shame. And so it's not on any of them. Not on Hulu. No, it's not, not on, on PBS app. It's not on nothing. Garbage. Bullshit. I know. The world. Kelly is a beautiful place and I'm no longer afraid to die. Longest band name ever. The best band name ever. Um, kind of the best band name ever. It's pretty great. Uh, Blake number 12 from their last album, 2017's Always Foreign. It's a great song. Uh, yeah, it's a minute long. Mm-hmm. It's a great bridge. Uh, and I recommend the album and I did recommend it in my recommendations back in 2017. <laughs> uh, of course, Subhumans. First time. I don't see it showing up a whole lot, but Subhumans were a huge band for me when I was a kid. Uh, the song number five off of... Uh, 1981's Demolition War, part one through three. They had a Demolition War EP, but this is not that. It is uh, a combination of all of those from 81. Excellent. Subhumans are fantastic. Not the subhumans. Very important. If there's not a skull or some punk looking shit, <laughs> you're in the wrong place, baby. <laughs> Speaking of punk looking shit, Wire, uh, 1, 2, XU, mm-hmm. off of the great Pink Flag, 1978, I want to say. Um, amazing. Yeah. Do you, have you listened to Wire? Mm-mm. Mm. Gotta listen to Pink Flag. Yeah. That's the album. And then uh, finally, UG, YG Tut with Isaiah Rashad. G35 off of 2016's G35. I loved it. It was great. Yeah. I had no problem with that no. at all. That was fantastic. Um, I'm assuming he's talking about the car. Infinity G35, right? Yeah, <laughs> I but don't I don't know. know. Uh, great playlist, I gotta say. Um, I can't wait for next week. But first, we have to talk about the week that was. We are also people in the world unfortunately kelly what were you what were you up to uh this week and what would you recommend to uh our myriad of fans we look to you for advice what would you say hey you got to do this since you already mentioned supermarket sweep yeah wow you gotta do it yesterday because netflix put it on i think like last month at some point but it's only a 15 episode last month yeah like uh just a random 15 episodes they don't seem to have any rhyme or reason as to why they chose them but they're there i think the rhyme and reason is that they don't want to repeat themselves with like Things that they do or challenges oh, or whatever, I that's got to be it. Otherwise, it'd be super boring like to watch like season. That they made, so, right? You know, like... Watch the first thirty episodes of nineteen ninety two. That Why would not? be terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so aside from that, it was super fun. You got to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> if you're from the nineties, if you grew up in the nineties, like you. It's so great. Well, I'm really glad you came to the room while we we're watching it because, like, Stacey didn't get it. She's like, "What do you mean you watched a grocery store game show?" 
in that's the amazing. Like, if you, you don't know, know what you're talking about, <laughs> if you don't know what that is and you try to explain it, it sounds so fucking dumb. And then like five episodes in, Daniel comes in and he's like, super fucking sweet. And I was like, that is what I wanted. <laughs> that is the reaction you should have had. All the beeps, all the things. It's yeah. just, it was so crazy how it all came back to me. I've never watched a clip in 20 years, easily 20 years. So good. And it just instantly came back and just like, you know, the whole ending where it's like, Whatever on supermarket sweep, yeah. like it feels good. It feels good to say it. Yeah, and then to know all the answers, be like, oh yes, good capitalist consumer. I did yes. it. I, did it. <laughs> I know about French's mustard. I yes, know yes, about yes. turtle wax. <laughs> uh, so aside from that, um, I've been watching a series on YouTube called The Funk Land, which is really great. It's oh, about, Defunct like, Land. Yes. Yeah, uh, I thought you said The Funk Land. I'm uh, like, that sounds like The Funk Land. Are Funk you guys Land. on a different track? Here? Yeah. I know. Ah, track. Hey. Uh, defunct. Defunct. No longer operating. It's about like a theme park rides that are no longer in operation and like the different failings of Disney and Universal a lot of Studios. Disney stuff, yeah. It, uh, it's been really interesting, especially since I grew up in Florida and I went to Disney a lot. Like that was where we're going on vacation or we're taking a break. So like I remember one time my dad came home from work and was like, we're going to Disney this weekend. And I'm just like, nuts. apropos of nothing. So we just packed the dog in the car and just went. <laughs> like, All right. I mean, it was only... Three and a half hours, I think. So it wasn't like far, but when I was a kid, we drove to Disney. I mean, that was my first road trip I ever took. Was oh, that was from... farther for you. Yeah, so Virginia down to, to to there. Yeah, you guys were watching it, and I know the guy's voice because I've listened to this as well. Yeah, and I, well, I, I don't listen to it as as crazy as you guys have been going nuts on it. Yeah. I just see it whenever it comes up. I do subscribe to it, but yeah, I heard it. And I'm like, oh yeah, you guys are listening to the Defunctland. Holy shit! Yeah, this is amazing because you guys just watch normal TV usually and mm-hmm. don't do any YouTube. And I'm like, oh man. Yeah, I've been like strictly watching YouTube stuff lately. There's a, so much quality. There's, content. So, I, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of garbage. Yeah. But you, there's the production values. But I guess people just have had to up their game over time. And plus, people are making money so they can put more money into their projects too. Well, they've and they've been doing it for years. It's like, yeah, it's good that you're getting on board because there's a lot of stuff you would genuinely like from yeah. like this. You know, yeah. I don't watch TV almost at all. I get pretty much everything from YouTube because they're just niche things that I fall into. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I like this. Yeah. Like stuff that I don't even do. Like I, I do lots of video game stuff too, where I'm like, I don't do video games, but you're so entertaining. Yeah. I really enjoy the way that you break down things. And it's just fun to know. I know things about games that I've never played, never will play, right? but I've watched a three hour documentary on it basically. And I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. That's I'm glad I know it exists. Like, especially if you're a completionist for me, sometimes I won't get into a franchise. It's like, well, I haven't played the first ones and I really want to know. Yeah. But that's such an easy way. Like find somebody you like that play, has played the game and then like just watch a quick video about it. Like, oh, okay. Well, yeah. Now I know. Or if you're dumb and you're like, I, it's, I don't get like Twitch. I don't get speed runs when people speed run through a game. Right. It's like, that's a whole community. And I watched a guy do a whole video, H Bomber guy do a video on that. Uh, it came out years ago. But I thought speed running, I thought he was talking about physically running. Oh. So I avoided that video of all of his videos for years. And I was like, oh, he's just talking about running. I probably don't care about that. <laughs> but he was talking about video games because why would he not be talking? Because that's what he talks about. Oh, Daniel. And then I watched it. And I was like, he, he does this really great analytical take about speed running. And I'm like, oh, this is, I never would have saw this this way if it wasn't for for that and i love that about youtube just different ideas i guess is what i'm saying yeah um you just you don't have to go through a studio system to tell you what to listen to you can see it right out of the person's mouth i think that's great youtube have you heard of it have you heard of it it's great <laughs> supermarket sweep if it's not supermarket sweep Man, then it's got to be dating ourselves <laughs> YouTube, this new fangled thing. Have you heard of it, kids? Also, the show from the 90s. Wasn't that great? Anyway, so I took the trip. Uh, but you, uh, when I found out you were watching it, you stopped me and you're like, hey, 
did you know that they were going to do Walt Disney World of Manassas? And that's where yeah. I'm from. And I was like, yeah, I know that was a whole thing. No, but yeah. it's so crazy that the wor- small world. It's a small world after ah, all, is what I know. You know. Uh, and I did listen to one album wow. <laughs> this week in totality. I mean, I listen to music, but it's mostly I just throw on my lo-fi hip-hop thing or my like alternative rap st- stuff and just definitely listen to it a million times just for comfort and background, not so much for, for actually actively intentionally listening yeah life uh, is but hard. i listened to an album that daniel recommended i'm sure well, as soon as it came out the phoebe bridgers album yeah puncture sure. mm-hmm. um my favorite song is dvd menu which is the intro it's a minute long and it's all instrumental it's fucking gorgeous it's great um the other songs that have words in them are also good but mostly it's that one is my favorite uh, kyoto is obviously the big song mm-hmm. um uh the last song this is this is the end is definitely my favorite i like definitely halloween and DVD halloween menu. is super good punisher is beautiful the song Punisher. Yes. It's, it's great. Phoebe Bridgers is great. She was obviously in Better Community, Better Oblivion, Oblivion. Community Center. Mm-hmm. Better Oblivion Community Center from last yes. year with Connor Oberst, who does show up on this album mm-hmm. for a minute, which is jarring. Ha- Halloween. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's jarring and I kind of don't like it, but <laughs> but it's fine. And uh, and obviously she has a song, the album from before with the ghosts. Um, mm-hmm. I did listen to that kind of, I think yeah. I only heard a couple of tracks and I was like, that's okay. I like this one better though, the yeah. Punisher one better. I mean, for she, me personally, in her video, like, she just wears a skeleton suit, and it's just amazing. She's great. I love her. But I think I might have recommended this person a long time ago. If I did, because I like will remember she's a person, and then we go listen to her stuff again. Uh, Rena Jones, who's like a violinist kind of composer, does trippy stuff. But like my favorite song of hers, "Open Me Slowly," is like that DVD menu song. It's like a darker mm. version of that. I was like, this is me all over, man. This is like perfect. This fun violin shit that's like scary and creepy. Thank you. Did you put DVD menu on to a playlist? I did. I don't remember which one. It might have been... Seven my... Curses Expanded Universe? Yeah. No, definitely not that. Uh, I don't remember which one. Have you but... added anything to your cowboy? Not in a while. We uh... haven't talked about the Expanded Universe in a long time either. Yeah. It's kind of sad. Hopefully we'll get a random song here for the Expanded Universe. Anyway, that's that. Uh... This could be a sad song for good times. What could be? This song. No. Okay. <laughs> that's only for you. <laughs> what were you doing this week? I uh, I uh, listen to lots of music. That's all I do. I spent the whole day listening to Billie Holiday, Eartha Kitt, who I had never listened to before. I've heard that name many times. She's great. And I just early Nina Simone, just not the, the mid-60s Mississippi goddamn Nina Simone, but like her first 50, I think 59, uh, Little Girl Blue. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. Wasn't She's Eartha so Kitt good. Catwoman? That's the same person, right? maybe maybe yeah. maybe i don't know she yeah, from the batman like show in the 60s possibly yeah she she was apparently a fucking star yeah. star yeah but no she she's great uh, i want to be evil is is a great song she's great she's great that was great uh, i want to reemphasize the band called the beths you should listen to the beths uh jump rope gazers is fucking great uh nana grizzle south 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 somewhere else um is another great album that i keep kind of coming back to now that 2020 is kind of like moving we're all we we beat coronavirus, so we're fine. We're just gonna <laughs> we're just gonna keep moving. Uh, and then a couple live albums. I'm just gonna go through them really fast. Lisa Ann's Bad Vacation from two weeks ago. Uh, Illuminati Hotties, Illuminati Hotties. Uh, their album Free. I H. Like. This is not the one you've been waiting for. Um, yes, I think that they did, or maybe not. I don't know, but I know them. But yeah, they have a new album. It's great. Uh, Charlie Crockett, Welcome to Hard Times. Uh, the Fontaine's DC from Scotland, uh, Hero's Death is really good. No Effects and Frank Turner did a split with each other, which is which was pretty good. But I don't know how much I will listen to it. And the guy from Symbols Eat Guitar 
has a new solo project called Empty Country. However, I do want to recommend a podcast for the first time in a long time. I know this is crazy. I'm only two episodes into Unscripted Moments, a podcast about propaganda. Oh, shit. I'm not going to take credit for this podcast. I'm not going to do it. But it is our podcast. They are listening to... <laughs> not randomly. Not randomly. They are choosing it probably quite deliberately, actually. They're trying to space out. Because Propaganda only has seven records. Um, and I think they're spacing out the songs, you know. So if you just randomly get all of, you know, Potemkin City Limits, it's not going to be fun. And Propaganda has such a wide variety of, of different fans. So you're probably going to get big hits on the big songs and the ones people don't know. Not so much. Uh, but they do exactly what we do. They talk about the context. They talk about uh, the the song. And they look more into the the issues, obviously, because Propaganda. If you don't know, they're a punk band from Canada, uh, Manitoba, from Winnipeg, and they are great. They're you know sort of punk, but they turn into like a thrash band. Um, but I would still consider them punk. But they they have explicitly political lyrics well there's a lot more issues to dig into as far as yeah the political and social sphere yeah you want to you want a song talking about the world and you want to see the world in a different way that maybe you don't currently see it propaganda have got you covered they're gonna they're gonna talk about it not only in a creative way but they're gonna rock your goddamn face off anyways they're great and thank you for doing a podcast in our footsteps and i hope that more people do these podcasts Listen to the song and break it down. That's fantastic. Uh, Want to shout out the episodes right now. I'm only on episode two, but they have 10 out currently. Uh, Bangers Embrace, Cop Just Out of Frame, Showdown, Bringer of Greater Things, Duplicate Keys, When All Your Fears Collide, Resisting Tyrannical, Government, Back to the Motor League, uh, and Teratium Non Detour. All just basically all the albums. I think they're going one from each and they're just kind of recycling, which is a really smart way to do. Hard for us to do because it would be 45 records, right? It's like, yeah. well, now we're in 1964. Oh, we're still in 1964. Okay, well, <laughs> it doesn't really work. So I don't think random works for them, um, but it is great. And they do seem cool. They're just two middle-aged teachers. They're a little bit older than us. They're 36, I think they said. So it's it's pretty interesting. They they grew up around at the same time. Their origin stories to come into propaganda are pretty interesting, um, and kind of like mirror mine. I'm, you know, how did I become radicalized? Propaganda. Kelly, this is the end of the podcast. Oh, yay. We made it. Are we picking us off? Rainy Day Women, number 1235 is in the books. Yay. And because we're now random people, I want to tell you that before we did this podcast, I, I did it. I went through. And I called re, the playlist? I redid, I, I redid it all, yes. Is it called the song list? What do you call that? Call the spreadsheet. The spreadsheet, that's right. The that's spreadsheet. Like so there are a few that I hope to do. I hope that we can get into doing shorter episodes in the future, do some Patreon specials, especially with some of the more random songs from the Whitmark demos and stuff like that. My idea with this podcast is to cover every Bob Dylan song that he has written. 
that that would be my perfect world. So in some way or the other, I want to do that. However, they don't need to be full episodes like this. So some of these, this might not be the final number. I don't think there's any way to really know what the final number is, but I can tell you quite definitively that that this is correct. 378 songs left. So we have cut out another 20 or so? Chunk, yeah, yeah of songs. Like well, and, and that's with Rough and Rowdy Ways added as well. So that's 10, 11 with the album added oh, wow. as well. So, yeah, so about 30 songs have been cut. So 378 songs remain on this podcast. Straight songs with recommendations and all of that. One out of 378, what's your guess? Oh, man. This is why I get that app. So I, I know, I know, like, I know. I and now so you're, and think. now you have a number you have to choose that. Two. Just two. You really want to go with two. You Why can't, can't do I go with two? Two is a number between one and whatever you said. Uh, you always choose like nine. Two. If we did number two, it would be Frankie and Albert. What's that? From 1992, as good as I've been to you. So it's that a cover. cute. It's a cover, yeah. It's a cover. It's an old song. So, oh, okay. uh, so it's Bob Dylan doing an old song. No, it's not. <laughs> it's wrong. Uh, one out of 300, it's number one. <laughs> That's what you get. All right. That's what you get. All right. 378 <laughs> is number one. Ah, you made, I'll never be closer in my entire life. And you made fun of me for picking a six-digit no, number. You got you got within one before. You uh-huh. got within one. Yeah, you did. I don't remember exactly. I don't one. know, but one and two is pretty great. <sighs> that is pretty fucking random. Is that random? Well, it's great because this, this is great. I just randomized for the first time our brand new spreadsheet. And not Frankie and Albert, but we will be doing the wonderful Eternal Circle. 1963 on the bootleg series volume one through three. So not actually on a Bob Dylan album. Eternal circle. Eternal circle. It's wonderful. It's a song about songwriting. It's a song about um, the power of song and just um, how, how the the circle of the circle of life, baby. Yeah. It's a beautiful song. So we're going back to Bob and uh, acoustic guitar and harmonica. So I, no complaints here for me. Uh, We will uh, be back next week with eternal circle. Kelly. Any final words? Oh, no. Thank you. Goodbye. I've got a few pennies. I'm going to buy myself a bottle of gin. And then I'm going to call my buddy on the telephone and say, I work so hard